welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen and uh, flying solo today, actually. Uh, James couldn't be with us, but it's not just me. I'm very pleased to say that I have a very special guest and uh, joining me today is Tiernan Duyeb. Thanks for having me. And uh, great to have you here. Tiernan is uh, a stand-up. He's a, well, he's a man of many parts, actually. He, he's, uh... <laughs> I hope most people are. <laughs> if I only have one part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, if it was one giant, all-functioning part, like an like you're on an AI uh, thing Oh, sure, yeah. I that don't really work, know yeah. that. Um, but uh, Tiernan is, uh, a, 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 as well as being a, a great stand-up, Tiernan is... Um, an example to all of us. He's a uh, he's a um, he's also uh, a podcaster. He does a weekly uh, topical podcast, uh, part, partly political broadcast. Yeah, and uh, he's also uh, does a lot of um, stand-up comedy for kids. So he's a bit of a pioneer, really, on the uh, stand-up stand-up for kids uh, world, isn't it? Really, that's uh, so. Um, but we're we're good. We're going to talk about um, uh, how how do you survive in the current climate? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll come to that. We'll we'll talk about the various things that that you do. I mean, first of all, I'd just be uh, interested to know how you first kind of got into comedy. Um, I've got a really boring get into comedy story. That's okay, then thing. let's yeah. move on really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like some people have got brilliant, like they've done all these amazing things in their life and then they fall into comedy because someone forces them on stage or something like that. And yeah. mine is I went to University of Kent to do drama because I genuinely wanted to do acting and then... Um, did stand-up comedy as part of that under um, Dr. Oliver Double. Who, oh, right, um, who was a stand-up. Yeah, he was a stand-up and, and ran The Last Laugh in Sheffield, didn't he, with Roger yeah, Monkhouse. That's and right, yeah, yeah. Then he's written loads of books about yes. it. And Anyway, uh-huh. he taught a course as... Um, it, well, this is even worse. He taught a course part of your, the fourth year of a Kent yeah. drama course. It was a four-year course. And... Uh, other courses were like radio production or set design or things that could get you a proper job. Right. And um, I chose stand-up because I thought it sounded fun. It wasn't very many hours a week. <laughs> and right. um, yeah. I started doing it and went, oh, wait, this is the best thing I've ever done. Right. Um, we had to perform every week in the student's bar. We had to have 10 minutes of new material every week for eight weeks. Right. Which is quite hardcore when you've never yeah, done yeah. it before. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that is um, a so you don't, but you you can't even say uh, I was uh, painfully shy and awkward and life was really miserable and then suddenly I got on stage and ev- my life had meaning. You, 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 <laughs> no, I was yeah. annoying. I really wanted to be on stage. I, I did lots of acting and I loved acting yeah, and, yeah. and writing bits as, as a kid and that's all I wanted to do. So no, I, I was already uh, irritating and uh, too loud. Um, right. But I mean, the thing is, though, is I have to say, I think like the course got me into stand up and then. I wasn't very good at stand-up. I was terrible at it. And my first few... You ha- we had to get gigs as part of the course. As we had to mm. go to London and do some gigs. And I would just get on stage, speak at 400 miles an hour, have yeah. everyone stare at me, and then run off wondering what's gone wrong. So right. it did yeah. then take several years to work out I what did, I, I was doing. Yeah, in fact, uh, Tiernan's written a very good uh, piece uh, for Chortle about, about um, getting into stand-up. And, um, yeah, it is um, interesting when you get advice from uh, other stand-ups and the way that you get it and in fact um, some of the best advice that I ever got as a stand-up and and improved my performances overnight but it did come in the form of a uh, drunken diatribe (laughs) 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 that also uh, pointed out uh, many flaws in my yeah well there's a weird uh, thing in personality as well I definitely found in in early stand-up days that that some of those gigs that were really far away that, that like Mirth Control, various other gigs that, that are not nice gigs and they're always in some pub that's not suitable for comedy and doesn't really have anyone there. Yeah. But the 
you'd always get something out of them because you'd have a car journey with other comedians who are more experienced who'd yeah. give you advice and would talk to you even if it was just advice about how to get gigs or where would be good or what to avoid doing uh, you know like so it, it, you'd do these horrible gigs and yeah. you'd have that shit <laughs> you know you'd all come out thinking what was that but you'd, you'd come away having learnt something useful when, roughly when was that when were you starting out I started, so I finished uni in 2003, right. and I started on the circuit pretty much immediately. Okay. So, yeah. It's would all you say that's still the case, that someone starting out now, that they would be able to, that they'd have a similar kind of experience? Or is it, uh, what, what I'm hearing is that, you know, there's, it's really hard to get gigs now. Really, really hard. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I've, because I think there's a lot of comedians now, or a lot of people wanting to do comedy. I think when I started, you could just turn up to an open spot night and get on. Right. I think that I was in the last few years of that still right. being a thing. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there are lots of comedians running their own gigs. I, you know, I understand there's a lot of gigs to compensate for a lot of comedians. And mm. if anything, if you put yourself... I mean, I'm, I'm saying this with a slight unawareness of the open mic circuit now, but... If you put yourself up for gigs outside of London, I think you're almost in a better stead because London's got such a large amount of comedians. Right. You know, if you say, I am, yeah. I mean, not that you should be willing to go to Exeter for no money. I don't think anyone <laughs> should ever be willing. But I think if you yeah. if you put yourself forward for it, there's probably less people doing that. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there is a kind of like a, a an EU butter mountain. There's a sort of London com- comedian mountain. <laughs> yes, <that> right? <laughs> yes. Yes, and a, and, a, and a fairly small demand, relatively small demand for them. I mean, I found when I was trying out for a new show about sort of three or four years ago, so I'd go to lots of new gigs and uh, or sort of... Uh, free gigs and things like that and you'd turn up and the gig wouldn't you know you don't you, the gig wouldn't happen or you know there's a, sort of quite a lot of that random stuff going on but you think out of london that there's possibilities there's more i don't know i mean the the north currently has an amazing circuit like the, mm. y- yorkshire and lancashire have got incredible gigs at the moment they're running really good things oh, right. um okay. and like liverpool's got hot water comedy club where they're running gigs every single night and gigs in the afternoon yeah. and they're getting audiences for all of it so sometimes i feel like we've got too many acts in london i think the also, promoters and, and other people know that there's too many acts and will take advantage of that. Right. Um, and I think gigs yeah. run by new comedians often aren't sold very well and the PR isn't very well. Right. Whereas if you if you leave, if you you know, there's that funny thing of if you go to a gig, and it's something I used to almost be a bit wary of being a, a sort of Londoner born and bred. You go to this weird little village and think there's this one gig and you'd assume it would either, I don't know, be full of the people that do Midsummer Murders or something <laughs> weird. But, but, but actually, because it's only once a month, people care about it and they run it really yeah. well and everyone turns up for it you know so yeah. sometimes there's um you get a bit more of a better gig out of it I, I remember that I mean there were virtually no gigs outside London when I was stand-up apart from the, the Edinburgh fringe and someone would occasionally try and set something up in Manchester or Birmingham um but you did when you found a club somewhere or someone found you and you turn up and I mean the the, the the love and the work that had gone into putting that gig on compared to the kind of uh sort of slightly uh, less caring kind of attitude you had when you were doing the sort of local London gigs. Oh, right, I'm just going to... And I've got to fit another one in here. <laughs> you know, and, um, you, yeah, you know, you can't really fit in another gig when you go up to 
Darlington. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. And also, that's the gig and audiences like, don't have as many choices. So in London, they could yeah. go to one of sort of 30 gigs at night yeah. or whatever. It's probably less than that now. But yeah. um, ever since Time Out went, I've got no clue. Um, but, you know, whereas if you are in somewhere small or somewhere like, I don't know, even, or even just a town like, I don't know, Basingstoke or Guildford or something, there's only going to be one gig on that yeah. night. And that's where people are going to go. So you end up with a better audience. Right. Um, but I think there's also, I think that the more important thing is that you... I, you know, there's a, if you're doing an open spot bill in London, and again, I'm saying this with no recent experience of open spot um, gigs here, but you're going to be on with other open spots. And I think if you're travelling outside, um, or if you can get on a better bill in London as the, as the open spot, you're on with better comedians than you, or, or more experienced mm. comedians at least, and you can learn from them. Right. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if you learn as much from your peers when you're beginning out as you do from the... Um, there's a lot of... I think you learn, the comics, you yeah. learn paranoia. <laughs> and competitiveness yeah, and bitterness so it yeah. prepares you for a lifetime of why didn't I get that job you know oh God. and that person that person that you absolutely despise who's the sudden then storms does the really gig. well yeah. yeah and you get a sort of polite applause um, those are very useful skills though for you know society and life are they if you <laughs> i'm angry with so many people nowadays and i feel like by being angry and bitter at certain people during my open spot years i can now contain my rage <laughs> right okay. yeah. yes okay so yeah so brexit might be bad but it's not as bad as that bloke who <laughs> i was on with yeah. yes um because that's something it's interesting you're saying about um you know, not be not being the finished product and day one, and that's you know pretty much most of my my generation were like that, and we we were very lucky that there were more gigs than there were um, comedians, so we we were able to learn uh, how to get better by performing. Um, but I I when I go locally, I pop on down to the King's Head sometimes, mm. and there's sixteen acts on, and they all I mean they 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 look. They just look so much better and so much more professional um, than than our lot did, um, but they don't necessarily have um, a kind of a point of view or something. And is that have you always had a sort of sort of kind of strong point of view in your? No, work, absolutely right? not. No, no. Uh, but but I think I mean like that's something I've noticed with uh, lots of newer acts is they're really confident, and I'm sure that's because mm. you could watch loads of like you can watch lots of other comedians on YouTube. You can see how it's done and you can yeah. imitate. And and I definitely didn't. I don't know when you were starting, but when I started, I think Take the Mic was on ITV and maybe the live floor show on BBC and that was it. And I didn't think, I don't think there was any other stand-up on there TV. There was uh, Billy Connolly on records. <laughs> <laughs> and one, a very exciting thing happened. We'd been doing it for about a year, so we were sort of a bit better now. But then somebody managed to get hold of uh, the, the video of Steve Martin live. Oh, and, wow. Because uh, people didn't really, and there weren't videos around much and so um and, and the american videos couldn't play on british recorders and all that but somebody <laughs> had managed to get a british recording and this i i, I think that this steve martin video kind of and there were a few other things going on at the time but it sort of revolutionized stand-up comedy because everybody there were you know we were about 50 of us and things and everybody passed this video round <laughs> and it was it's like amazing. crack cocaine of stand-up you know it was like oh my god look at this man dressed in a three-piece suit but totally absurd and you know he's just saying the funniest things and but he's he's selling it so you know it, it's like a he's not just being himself I mean, walking in off the street and admitting that he's just walked off the street and it it just kind of raised 
everybody's it must be such level an amazing of discovery. That's yeah. incredible. And um, you know, we all got to know that video, you know, word by word, off by heart, and everything. And that 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 was all it was. And, you know, we knew Billy Connolly, and so there was there was you know that. That was obviously a very high high bar set, sure. and and I suppose Jasper Carrot as well, and Dave Allen, and that that was kind of it really. So, um, but no no nothing live apart from the the working men's sure clubs, yeah yeah which wasn't at which, all what you wanted yeah. to be like yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's like you see Steve Martin come on in a three piece suit and you think oh bloody hell Bernard Manning or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, but then he's just. Completely bunkers. Totally yeah. not that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, because that's, that's I, I didn't even know that there was a circuit. I think until I even until I really did university. Even though I've lived in sort of North London my life and had the King's Head and things like yeah. that, but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, yeah. I went to see Eddie Izzard live at the theatre a couple of times. I saw Jack D live once. And but I assumed it was just three people that did theatres or whatever. I had no right. idea. Yeah. It was a circuit till I started doing this the the course at university, and then and then would subsequently come back. And I, I remember seeing Shappy at the King's Head and being uh, which mm. is brilliant, and, and people like that, and suddenly going, "Oh wow, there's a whole world of this." I had no clue. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I think so. To your earlier question, just uh, I, I was not. I, I've I had no opinions for years and didn't right. know what I was doing. And I, my my stand up originally was really silly. And of no point whatsoever. It had no right. real point. <laughs> okay. um, and then, it, and then it changed mainly. I think because I got uh, older and grumpier, <laughs> and also um, I blame a lot on Mark Thomas in a nice way. Right. In that I remember going to see him see, uh, doing his show about um, as used on the famous Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and yeah. and I'd always been. Yeah. My family have always been very political, and my family have always been. Uh, interesting points. I went on protest when I was one from the age okay. of always being kind right. of involved, yeah. but I didn't know how to, I didn't know what my opinions were and I didn't know how to format it. Um, yeah. And I remember seeing Mark Thomas do that show and it blew my mind. Was that it the arms made, one? It was all about the yeah, arms yeah, trade. Yeah, and right. it was so moving yeah. and mm. very funny, but also he managed to get laws changed right. on certain arms that could come into the country. Yeah. Um, and I got him to sign my book after, so I'd not met him before. And I said to him, you know, that was, I'm a stand up, it was really inspirational. And he just said, oh, you're a stand up. Oh, give me your email. We'll have a cup of tea and talk about it and um mm. and i did and then we met up and started and he right. kind of yeah. uh helped me work out how to do right. politics in comedy and then of course the tory government in 2010 basically made me go oh yeah now i've got lots of things to be really yeah. angry about <laughs> yeah well that's it that's um and you you do uh you've been doing this podcast what what uh, number are you up to now on your... uh i just released episode 123 this Ooh. morning exciting we're about to record episode 100 tomorrow night so that's very uh, exciting so uh, that that's are you doing and you're doing it weekly now yeah yeah. i Um, don't know why i'm just a (laughs) glutton for punishment well it's this this is again uh i know it's kind of talking about when you're a stand-up and um you know if you if you're um one of one of the ways to be a stand-up and 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 to get you know, to to get more work probably is is to do topical comedy, and is uh, and but that gives you a kind of turnover of material. It doesn't necessarily mean you get to keep. You know, it's a, it's going to be very hard for you to do um, that joke about um, Theresa May dancing. I guess by you know, sort of three months later, it must get sort of pretty stale, really. But but <clears throat> is that kind of partly what got you into doing the? the is the podcast sort of? Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's, it's definitely way. that um, I was writing jokes that within two days would become 
unusable because the world was changing <laughs> right. so quickly. Yeah. There'd always be yeah. some other awful disaster happening so fast mm. that, um, which I mean, happens mm. with my podcast. I released it this morning. There's already been three bits of news that have basically <laughs> made it uh, 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 right. slightly out of date. But I think it's also because, uh, like with, um, I always feel it's, it's a difficult term, isn't it? But I always feel like when people talk about, I don't know if you've heard other acts talk about comedy as an Ill, like it's an illness like you have to do it yeah um, mm-hmm. you know before anyone complains it's not an illness I know I always feel yeah. like you have to put the Twitter kind of caveat of I'm yeah. not comparing it to people that have got an illness but but you know it's like a problem that we have to you have to get on stage you have to perform it or you have to write and 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 I need to do my podcast otherwise I think I'll shout at people in the park because <laughs> right. it's what I'm genuinely angry about it's what I'm genuinely concerned yeah. about and I think if I can write it each week and make it funny yeah. it helps me understand it. Mm. and it gets it off my chest so it's like right. a, a combination of I think it's for my own mental health as well as yeah. uh, you know the comedy aspect of it again that's an amazing difference uh, I'm just sort of remembering one of the because uh, uh, I, I, I used to do the uh, the, the show in the, the comedy store The Cutting Edge and uh, I remember that the, the um, and it's on a Tuesday and we had our show all set for the sort of Tuesday evening at seven seven o'clock and at four o'clock the news came through that Robert Maxwell had died oh, wow. and we'd already arrived at the comedy store already writing and we'd heard that someone had heard about it and we sort of followed the news in a way that you you do now fairly naturally you can keep you know you can uh, be in touch with everything that's happening but there wasn't 24-hour rolling news there weren't you know there was just three channels there wasn't the internet whatever and so there's gr- gradually this news filled through oh Robert Maxwell died and um, yeah he uh, he he fell off his boat. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> and oh, and there's been a massive pension fraud, and, uh, and so so the story sort of developed, and so we just sat down and you know it's just a kind of gift to co- the, when you're comedians and you think oh this is fantastic I can be right about this now, and uh, but the audience didn't know the audience turned up and they didn't know they didn't know it had happened so we had to spend the first five minutes saying this isn't just us making up material this isn't the comedy store players improvising oh robert maxwell's died he's fallen off his boat and uh his son made a joke about him being fat to like half an hour after he died (laughs) Was that, uh, no, this is real, and the audience was sort of watching, or kind of baffled almost, as we were doing, yeah. these sort of singing these sort of funny songs about Maxwell falling off his boat, and um, and so it was. Um, it's actually you're you're kind of almost ahead of uh, people in some some ways. But I think that's still somewhat the case. I know now, obviously, it's different. Everyone's on Twitter, and the, but actually, they're not. I think comedians. We're on Twitter. We're you know, like like now, mm. I'm at your house in the middle of the day having a coffee and this chat. <laughs> yeah. Most people are working and not paying attention to the. Mm. We're uh, working. We're well, working. We are working. Sorry, and, and sorry. We're, Dave. we're both so, feeling ill in the process of working. <laughs> it, is, it is an illness. It's for a, us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I find especially at gigs. I mean, let's mm. so podcast because now I've got an audience that are expecting it to come out weekly but right. for gigs I'm still finding people are, are several days behind yeah so and there's things like with Brexit for example they're just bored of it so you have yeah. to you can't go into details you have to go into some of the more basic yeah. uh, or larger areas of it or the bigger stories about it and that's again why I want to do or part of why I do the podcast I can go into more interesting bits as far as I'm concerned or delve in deeper mm. to people who actually want to hear that uh, as opposed to audiences who go oh no not yeah. bloody Brexit again. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> just um so mm. you, but, but I think I think people are uh, a, a, a really sort of uh, 
good example was um do you, you know Tim Fitzhigham, the yeah, yeah, gentleman yes. uh, yeah, yes, adventurer. Yes. Um uh, and he I used went to, to... Uh, perform with, with James, my co uh podcastee when they oh, uh, yes, Durham, did. Durham yes. University uh review, I think they wrote and performed together. They did, many didn't years they? Ago. And were yeah. they was it were they in that sketch group? I can't remember what they called it. Yeah, though. yes. Well, I've, uh, it escapes me too, but they were a sketch they, yeah, they, they were a university sketch group for a while. Yes. A while. Yeah. Well, so I went to see uh, one of Tim's radio uh, recordings. He had, um, I think, believe it was called the Gentleman Adventure, um, something like that. Yeah. I probably yeah. should have rode the this. Atlantic or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, well, no, well, this was one was he he had had to copy a gentleman's bet where they had to have the wool of mid of a sheep by midnight and have a jacket woven, uh, but with that wool by midnight the following night. But it all had to be done in the the ways they would have done it in the 1800s or right, something. Okay. Um, and so he'd got the Derbyshire Weavers Guild involved and they'd all helped him and uh, no spoilers, but of course he manages it. Um, and the show's very funny and brilliant. But I sat in the audience next to the, Dar- the Derby Weavers Guild and I remember the, this lovely couple sort of sitting there saying to me, saying, we, we can't believe people like him exist. I go to work as an electrician, she weaves all day. And uh, and, I, and they were saying, what do you do? And I was saying, well, I'm a comedian. I talk about, them. oh, we only watch the news once a week and we're busy yeah. work and I'm sort of thinking i just t- totally unaware that other people have a slower life than me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and you know you have to kind of remember that when you gig that there's a lot of people that have got kids and work and yeah. or go out in the evening or whatever and don't spend their lives sitting on twitter wondering what snarky comment they can make to a donald trump tweet no, you know no, it's there not... are no there aren't any other people like that <laughs> Everything on Twitter is true, and I believe it all, and it's all. <laughs> and uh, um, yes, um, but that that's uh, <laughs> that that's. Uh, I, I suppose there, there there is that element, and I suppose there, there's kind of that element as well, just generally for stand-ups, isn't it? It's a sort of, uh, and it's it's the kind of um, halfway house between being an actor and being a, a normal person, isn't it? It's not because you're not quite, you're not quite. Um, getting rid of your, you know, you're, you're, you're putting a lot of yourself out there, mm. but it's also there is it is a, you, you want a bit of showbiz as well, isn't there? So yeah, um, do, 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 do you have much kind of showbiz on top of that, or is 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 your kind of uh, topicalness? Is that your kind of? Uh, I my. Dream or my time. I I really want to be as much me as possible on stage. Like mm. I think one of my favourite comedians. I was talking about this to someone the other day. Is I, I love Rich Hall and right. I love Rich Hall because mm. he's very very funny. But I love the fact that he's exactly the same off stage and yes. then walks on and he's still Rich Hall. Yeah. And I feel like that means I believe everything he says on stage, even if he doesn't mean it. But I believe that he thinks yeah. it. You know, and I, and I like that from other comedians. I like watching yeah. someone and thinking I trust you. Yeah. I trust that you're telling me this because it's what you think. Yeah. And that's what I would like to... I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'd like to have yeah. it, especially because I'm talking about politics. And I want people to think that mm. that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose that the whole reason... One of the reasons why I talk about politics on stage is because there are acts who talk about politics who I love, but often yeah. I sit there thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know what you're... You know, this is be above my level of knowledge. Right. And I like being able to get on stage and go, I understand as much as you do, yeah. or at least pretend it. This is what I get from it. Yeah. Isn't you're it kind of sort of working it out for yourself as much yeah. as anything, aren't you, really? Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but I think we were talking just before we started up uh, and without wishing to go all kind of uh, down memory lane and things but but the, the, 
the, the differences between uh, like being a stand-up now and be, being a stand-up when I was, and it was a relatively, it was it was quite a cushy number really, and you could you you could start to earn money quite quickly as a stand-up when I was doing it, and and then you start to get sort of quite a lot of gigs, but. I'm, uh, a lot has changed since then, and I'm aware of the uh, the housing market and you young folk uh, that you're all kind of um, that, that that you you you're all you know having to um, share flats and eat you're not allowed to eat avocados or something. <laughs> I, I kind of, it's, a, it's all it's the, one or the other. It's it's sort of houses blur. are avocados, right? No, okay, no and they do have. Uh, we 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 live in the same part of London. They, there is one shop that does sell some very nice avocados. So um, I guess that's a bit mm. of a problem for you. But but uh, the, the point being, I guess that actually being a stand-up on its own full time, even if you're getting quite a lot of work that's still you're still looking to do other things and that's what I, I just just I wanted to talk to you about some some of the other things that you do well we know that the, the podcast obviously f- feeds off the live uh stuff and that's that that's that's kind of one area uh but also you're you're kind of quite you, you do a lot of comedy for kids and and how did that all kind of come about uh, well, that started, um, so Comedy Club for Kids, which is yeah. what I sort of co-run, um, it started with a comedian called James Campbell, who actually started it, okay. um, and he thought, I think quite rightly, that it's unfair that kids like to laugh, but no one does comedy for them, that was his, his um, pretty much reason for starting it up, um, and I got involved very early on with it, um, because he saw me do an adult gig and thought my material at the time, which was, was very childish. silly. Well, it was, it was really childish, yeah, well, because that was before were I was... You, were you, was that a sort of double-edged, oh, I'm honoured to be asked, but at the same time, <laughs> <Also>. hang on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think, I think, weirdly, I was just chuffed because I've never grown up. I was like, yeah, no, you're right, it's a, yeah. a self-realisation. Um, but yeah, it was way before I was doing any of the politics stuff, so it was just re- more silly stuff that I was doing. Um, but he got me involved, and it was, they were such fun gigs, uh, because kids uh, treat comedy in a very different way. They, they mm. don't want to heckle. They just need to tell you what's in their mind, which is very different. Um, <laughs> so it's often, it, if it's malicious, it's by accident. It's often more joyful. Um, they sit in the front row first because they're excited and they're used to shows. You know, you get a de- very different vibe off them. Um, and so uh, after uh, a few years, James Campbell went on to do, he now writes books and works teaching. And then uh, myself and two others took over Comedy Club for Kids. Uh, yeah. And we now run it all over the country in Edinburgh and... Just yeah. get comedians on the adult circuit who do can do family friendly stuff mm. really, um, and it's just it's fun. Everybody does fun. It's the thing for at night time for adults. I shout about how awful everything is, and <laughs> in daytime for kids, I get to tell them how brilliant everything is, <laughs> and that sort of balances me out mental right. health ways. I think yeah. <laughs> so I walk away feeling all right. <laughs> I mean that is another that uh, quite incredible change from when I was. Uh, doing Edinburgh regularly in the in the uh, 80s and 90s and I mean you know there really was absolutely nothing for children apart from you know yet yeah, so some other po-faced version of Peter and the Wolf would be being done somewhere by <laughs> and uh, everyone you know pe- parents would be dragging their their kids kicking and screaming to this show because it's the only thing that they could take them to um, whereas now now and in the last few years I've been up with my kids and I mean the range of stuff they can see and the the uh and the, and the shows that kind of cross over as well and, and for instance I took uh my son who was very into animation uh to see um Howard Reed show and Howard oh, yeah. who does Fantastic, the yeah. comedy for kids with you and um it was just it was a, such a I mean I, I enjoyed it 
and my son, who was nine at the time, enjoyed it as well. You know, at a totally, obviously, totally different level. But we all, you know, we were able to to watch that together, and um, you know, that's kind of what we're always, you know, with the TV companies and executives are always, you know, they're kind of looking for that holy grail, aren't they? They're always looking for the the, the telly that program that everybody can sit around and yeah, watch. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet, it's kind of happening all the time, anyway, in uh, in Edinburgh, isn't it? And now you say you're doing it all over all over the country as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Well, we we just did our first gigs in Hong Kong in September, which is exciting. Right. So that was uh, Howard, uh, who you mentioned, and Beck Hill, and myself. We all went out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we did our first official shows in Ireland, which not as yeah. exciting as Hong Kong, but still brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really. Universal, but I think there is a lot because um, you work you work on horrible histories, and yeah. horrible histories absolutely hits things on two levels, doesn't it? It's got yeah. kids level, but then if you're an adult watching it with the kids, it's really funny as well. It's got other stuff, um, yeah. and I'm finding even my, my daughter's eight months and, and watches at the moment. Uh, she loves Hey Dougie and Messi Goes to Okie Do, which is voiced by Adam Buxton. It gets okay. her very excited. Right. And um, Hey Dougie's really funny. <laughs> I thought I wouldn't enjoy it, but it's yeah. really like some of the gags in it are brilliant and clearly mm. not for an eight month or a one year old, two year old. You know, yeah. um, it, I think there's a real appeal to it. And it's nice. Like Comedy Club for Kids, we get a lot of parents who are comedy fans mm. and now they've got kids they can't go see evening comedy, so they bring their kids to come and see us, and then they get to laugh along as well. And that's really nice. Um, You know, and you get two laughs. You get If a a kid laughs, a parent often laughs with them, because it's fun, and if a parent laughs, even if the kid doesn't understand, they tend to laugh with their parents, so you end up with a lovely kind of double effect on it. I found as well um, the couple of shows that I took the kids to of your uh, comedy for kids, and Stuart Goldsmith was um, headlining one of them. He's Um, great at it. He's great with kids. And um, the just to have the thing to be able to you know and to, to be able to kind of talk about it all afterwards and it and and uh, yeah, so certain subjects come up that are possibly you know kind of slightly older than maybe for yeah because you've got a, you have kind of massive age range there don't you i mean yeah. i did i did do uh one of the gigs um Back in the day when I thought I might be able to, yes, do I remember, them. yeah. Um, but uh, we won't go into the whys and wherefores of that. But uh, just to say that I would love to be performing songs that I wrote, um, and uh, for kids who would love to hear them, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm not going there. Shut up, Dave. Um, but uh, that I, I, there's there were like you know. Very small kids and people they brought their toddlers and babies and things who obviously were getting the vibe but not necessarily yeah, yeah. understanding it. But then and then there were kids on. In fact, I think I was one of Howard's kids actually did a set as well. Oh, yeah, Samson or Mabel, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. And, really good. Yeah. and so there's kids doing sets as well. And then you know there'd be a lot of bits of my kids. The one that we went to, I guess my uh, kids were sort of six or seven that the time and so there was stuff that they didn't you know they they wouldn't understand but you'd be able to kind of talk about so there's there's that sort of whole uh yeah that's... A, extra bonus element as well that as a as a as a punter i think you get it's a you know that it's a thing that you can go to with kids and not be 
you know, not feel that you're dragging them along to something against their will, which is a, which is great. Yeah, it's it's really not. We, so we we have an age range supposedly of six plus. We, that's what right. we say uh-huh. uh, because before six, you tend to just get them running all over the place and not going. But obviously, yeah. children of six plus have siblings who are younger than six plus, so you yeah. have to kind of cater for them. And <laughs> no, then you, you have, can't come in. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you have, to, you have, to, have an eight-year-old <laughs> bouncer on the door. You can't just have them, like left outside <laughs> in the rain. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, and then we get you know, all the way up to sort of twelve. I think 13-year-olds aren't bothered, but before that, it's sort of... So, mm. yeah, it does cover a lot. But then what's lovely is seeing how acts... Some acts cater for different ages, you know, yeah. and some acts deal with it completely differently. Some acts um, come on and completely, like, uh, James Acaster improvises whenever he does it, just completely improvises, gets the kids to help him write a letter to his girlfriend or to his parents and then reads it back. And okay. some acts, like Tom Allen, just do his set, but without the swearing in, and because it's about <laughs> him being at school, it works entirely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then other acts, like myself, we write specific material for it. So yeah. it's, it's lovely seeing how everyone approaches it. I yeah. think. And, and as a result, the kids get quite a nice wide range of comedy, because I think... I think, again, like we're talking about comedy being on TV, I still don't know if there's enough of a range of comedy on TV at the yeah, moment. Right. But with Comedy Club for Kids, we try and say to kids, look, some there are some musical comedians and prop comedians and one-liner comedians and storytelling comedians. And, and you know, here's hmm. here's three different ones in, in a show. Right. And if you come back and you get three completely different ones, I think it helps broaden their perspective of... Yeah. Humour, hopefully, yeah. hopefully from a young age. Yeah. But aren't you also training up competition for uh, you know, the, yes, the next yeah. generation? And some of the kids are frighteningly good. Like Howard Reed's kids are frighteningly good. We've got several other kids who are good. There was a, yeah. a girl called Grace who, uh, I think she did Edinburgh again this year. She's now 15. Right. And she has been going to Edinburgh since she was 11, doing a show, Grace the Child, uh, right. she called herself. <laughs> it got great reviews. She got in the Telegraph's top 10 right. jokes. And you go, I haven't managed that, have you? <laughs> <laughs> What are we doing? We're creating. They're taking all our work. Yeah. Um, I do. Well, I'm, uh, oh God, I'm going to really sound like old memory lane, but I do remember the first time um, when, and there was a. Um, it was John Langdon who uh, writes for Rory Bremner, his son, and um, then there was a the girl who was the daughter of <laughs> a man who famously was horribly rude to Jacob Bruce Mark um, a few. Months ago, Ian Bone, the, the sort of class war uh, anarchist character, and yeah. uh, who managed to kind of unite everybody um, and, and make people sympathetic to Jacob Bruce Mogg, which was uh, that's terrible. Quite thing a thing, yeah. yeah. Um, but his daughter, and that's a, and there was a, yes, it was a show of fourteen-year-olds, uh, and I think I think Vicky Corran was um, on that build as well. Again. Oh wow! So um, and and. And I remember thinking then uh, that there was oh, some people already, some bitter comedians were going, oh, bloody hell, bloody kids taking our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of, there's a part of me thought that. There was also a part that thought, hmm, this is, this is how it's going to be, isn't it? It's, you know, comedy, you know, comedy isn't just the new rock and roll. It's also, you know, the new theatre. It's, 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 it's all of those things as well. Um, but, so... so I, I suppose, and I, I mean that is amazing. And comedy for kids. You, so you're performing all around the country uh, now, yeah? Yeah, and, yeah, and well, yeah. And we're we're doing sort of 
Uh, one of the things I'm doing at the moment actually is touring a specific show sort right. of through Comedy Club Kids uh, called How Does This Politics Thing Work Then? Okay. Where uh, it's yeah. myself and Tatton Spiller who created the Simple Politics website, which is amazing. Have you ever seen simplepolitics.co.uk? Yeah. He breaks down politics into its most basic level. So you can find a bill, look at where it is, where the bill is, what stage, what that means, right. who's going to be discussing it next, what it could mean. And he goes into primary schools and teaches them about Brexit. I really wish he'd talk to politicians. That's what I want. <laughs> and explain it to some adults. Yeah. Um, but we wrote a show together where he's got all the clever bits and I've added in lots of stupid humour. Right. And we um, have been performing to audience families and, and schools yeah. Uh, and been touring that round um, as a really nice way of we've got like a live election and he's got a really clever way of breaking down you know that politics is having a problem and then we find solutions and we vote on a solution so we get all the kids to you know we, we say we've got 10 suites but we've got 8 people sorry um, I've got this completely wrong we've got uh, 10 people but only 8 suites right. so what do we do we get all the kids to and somebody goes I'll have them all or throw them in the bin and then we get them to vote on how do we fix this and, oh, right. and it's really fantastic so yeah. that's sort of uh it's nice that Comedy Club Kids kind of led to that because people see the logo on it and go, we know it's going to be funny. We might also trust a show about politics, you know, right, if, yeah. if it's got that to it. So Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. That's a great idea. And I mean, I think I've, I've found that, again, with Horrible Histories, is that you are, uh, you're, you're having to kind of get across quite complex political mm. ideas, like, for instance, if you're doing a song about Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's that, 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 that was quite a challenge, actually, because that was very, you know, it was just a, quite, quite a lot of kind of dense constitutional uh, arguments kind of around this sort of very torrid time. Can't imagine a parallel at all of uh, the idea of <laughs> Parliament absolutely like deadlocked anymore, yeah. over some <laughs> legislation and, and, you know, people going taking extreme viewpoints and things about it. I just just can't imagine a parallel it's at weird. all um but uh, yeah so uh, think about that again in terms of coming back to you and and, and your life and how you're kind of um you, you you are doing all these um different things is it is it just is it hard, too hard now and I mean we talk James and I talk a lot about this about you know it's not enough to be a writer you know to want to write a sitcom or something you kind of have to do other things and is that do you think that's absolutely essential for anyone starting out now yeah I think so I think it's got incredibly hard I mean I, I did just do stand-up comedy for a long time and um mm-hmm. the in the last few years I think gigs disappeared uh firstly and then also like money for a comedy hasn't changed since the early 90s it's stayed mm. the same and if anything it's dropped in a right. lot of venues whereas yeah. petrol's gone up and food's gone up and accommodation's yeah. gone up and so suddenly you're at a, like there's a whole load of gigs now that I have to say to myself is it worth me travelling to that because by the time I've got there and done it mm. and it's a whole day I've not really earned yeah. you know after petrol everything I've not earned anything or I've or I've not earned enough for me to say well this is I should just I could just be at home with my family yeah. and not have that 40 pounds or whatever you know um yeah. And, and that's a real shame. So I think that you have to look outside. I think unless you're one of the sort of 30 comedians who's doing all of the telly, yeah. then you, you have to work out how else you survive. Um, yeah. It's quite exhausting, really. I think, you know, self-employment now with comedy means you have to work or constantly looking for things all the time. Yeah. Um, and I had like this month, I was actually, I had a few things cancelled and I suddenly went, oh no, and luckily some stuff's come up. Mm. Um but it's, it's how I keep on top of it. I think, well, I've got my gigs, normal adult gigs, and I've got the kids' gigs, and I've got the podcast, then I do little bits of writing and things otherwise, and, uh, you know, um, I've done odd acting jobs. So you just kind of cram in yeah. what, what you can to, to keep it's on a, top of it. It's a danger of sort of spreading yourself too thin. 
Yes. Mm. Yeah, which I've had, and I've had people sort of say that to me early on about doing the adult comedy and doing the kids comedy is that spreading myself too thin. But I, mm. like, that's different. I like that. I feel like I need to do both yeah. because it's my, it's what I enjoy. Um, and also by mm. doing kids shows over Christmas, you don't have to do horrible adult shows over Christmas. <laughs> and there's definitely that bonus. Yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, the Christmas parties. Uh, uh, they're uh, awful. There is a particular... Friday night, isn't there? Something like that. Black well, Friday. It's yes. going to fall on about the twenty-first, is it, or the fourteenth this year? I think. And it's the, yeah, it's yeah. the night. Of, the night of all the works, uh, days. Yeah, because fr- I always found Friday nights generally were not as nice the worst, as, yeah. as Saturday nights. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah, people have had time to relax on a Saturday, yeah. whereas Friday they leave work, start drinking, and come yeah. straight to the show. Mm. Um, but kids' Christmas gigs are always fun because they're really excited about Christmas right. and they haven't been drinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there well, is that. Got the, that uh, yeah. they, they, they've had that sugar rush. With yeah, it's not probably. as bad. I don't no. care what people say. It's <laughs> yeah. not having dealt with a room that's entirely stag do's yeah. uh, compared to a room that's entirely kids on sugar. I will choose the children gig the every children time. Children on sugar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that that's <laughs> that seems a good point to uh, end our conversation. But uh, that's that's been very illuminating and. Uh, so that uh, great, great um, to hear all that, and so you kind of you 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 have to do more than one thing and uh, work three times as hard as uh, you know, <laughs> maybe ten years ago, and gigs are much harder. To well, come I will by. say though, like just as a caveat, uh, do, uh, do, if you know, do you know Mo Gilligan, the comedian uh, Mo Gilligan? I know the name. So yeah. Mo Gilligan has done very well lately, um, and and absolutely deservedly so by making his own little videos on his phone, putting them online, and they've all gone viral because he does little characters and he writes bits, and he's never done Edinburgh, and from that he's done, he's been on Live at the Apollo, he's sold out a tour, and it's still worth, you know, I, I think mm. we're in an era where you can make your own stuff now yeah and that is what makes having to do extra stuff easier yeah. because if you've got an idea you can just film it and put it online you can just make your own podcast yeah. you know and, and get yourself out there and if you're like uh, lucky or, or talented enough like someone like no you can just suddenly yeah. people will notice it and i think in a way things are harder because we haven't do twice as much but also easier because you've got sudden reach to people that you didn't have before yeah. and that's that's pretty awesome yeah and um, partly political broadcast is on every uh, well you you do it weekly and uh, weekly it's out every yeah. tuesday yeah. right okay and uh, it's on the internet yeah I'm just sure all if over you it, put yeah. partly political broadcast and tiernan's uh, in there in your google search you will find it fairly fairly easily and um so and the uh, comedy for kids that's uh, watch out is uh, the four as in the number four isn't it yeah it's comedy a, club for kids comedy club at .co.uk. Kids. you can find yeah. that quite easily uh, except too. no substitute they are the best and, <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah. they do shows all around the country and they are brilliant uh, i've performed one but i've been to two or three and they are great and um yeah go and see them and tina thank you very much thanks for having me